The One and Only Bob by Catherine Applegate. We continue Bob's story with the conclusion at part four. Aftermath. We've lost 10 park residents total, eight deaths plus two still missing. No humans died, but there were some injuries. They've already started rebuilding. It's funny the way people go right back at it after tragedy. Everyone comes together. Lots of talk about community and kumbaya, blah, blah, blah. They're a resilient species. I'll give them that. It's been three weeks and we still don't have Kimu back. Suzu either. There have been some sightings. Nothing for sure. I worry they can't last long. Wolves aren't native to this part of the world. I like to think they're together, at least. Everybody else is back with makeshift domains. Nobody's complaining, though. In spite of all the construction, Julia's been taking me to see Ivan and Ruby whenever she can. Today, Ivan leans on the temporary fence separating him from the elephants. Maya made him a medal for valor out of a watermelon and cucumbers. He's eaten most of it. It's pretty great. Almost everybody we saved from the shelter ended up with a home, says Ivan. Even that annoying bunny. Almost everyone, I reminded him. I am so sorry about Boss, he says in his gentle way. From what we can tell, Boss never went into the donut shop. She slipped away, and no one knows what happened to her. I try not to feel hurt, but I had this silly fantasy about me and her and Rowdy all hanging out together like a family. And I so wanted her to know what it's like to have a warm bed and a full bowl and a good ear scratch whenever you need it. I wanted her to know she deserves that as much as any dog. I guess she'd lived life too long on her own terms. Or maybe she was afraid to get her hopes up, to trust. I understand. Been there, done that. But sometimes humans don't let you down. Sometimes they even come to the rescue. Riddle. Uncle Bob! Ruby calls, galloping over. She seems more confident these days, a little more grown up. Stella would be proud. I know I am. Want to hear my new riddle? Absolutely I do. Ruby flaps her ears. She does that when she gets excited. What has an eye but cannot see? I am perplexed, Ruby, pondering and puzzled. A hurricane, she exclaims. Good one, Ruby. First rate. I look at Ivan. We smile at each other. We don't need to say a thing. It's enough to listen to the palm trees rustle and watch the sawgrass sway. Working on it. On the way home, we pass the shelter. It's been patched up pretty well, looks like, and they're back in business. I hear the usual yelps and howls and hisses and meows, and like always, I feel lousy. I plop down on the sidewalk, and Julia stops walking. What's going on, Bob? She asks. I listen like I always do for her bark. That bark. Nope, nothing. I wish Rowdy were here to distract me, but he's still learning how to walk on a tug-of-war string. He's a pretty swell pup, even if he is a little feisty. I'm surprised how much I like having him around the house. It's weird. I feel responsible for the little guy. Sort of like he's become my numero uno. 
Julia bends down and strokes my head. I wag my tail a bit, slowly stand. I think of poor old Drulius stuck in that backyard day and night. I think of Boss roaming the streets. I think of my siblings, the dark night, the box, the highway. I'm trying hard to find the forgiveness that seems to come so naturally to other dogs. Maybe that's what Boss was getting at. Maybe it's easier to forgive others once you've learned how to forgive yourself. I'm working on it. It's like a bone. Sometimes you have to chew for a long time before you make any progress. Snickers again. Once we're home, I head for the couch. I'm snoozing peacefully with Rowdy when a smell, a doozy of a smell, assaults my schnoz, which is finally back to working order. It's her. Snickers is back. She's been gone for a while. After the hurricane, they had to do some repairs to Mac's house. Not sure where Snickers has been staying, but that's definitely her I smell. No doubt about it. I dive under the couch, but not before Nutwit appears at the front window. Oh, Bobbo, he calls. Someone's looking for you. I'm not home, I yell. Yeah, I don't think she'll take no for an answer, says Nutwit. Shouldn't you be rebuilding your nest? Nah, watching you cower in fear is way more fun. What's the deal, Uncle Bob? Rowdy asks. Be afraid, Rowdy. Be very afraid, I say. The door opens, and there's Julia, with Snickers by her side. Well, hello there, Snickers, says Sarah as she passes through the living room. What are you doing here? Mac and his wife just moved back in, Julia says. They called this afternoon and said Snickers was dying for a walk. I ease back a little farther under the couch. Can Snickers see me? Maybe not but she can most definitely smell me. For once, I regret my pungent aroma. Snickers darts across the living room, straight to the couch, pulling Julia along for the ride. Snickers, Julia exclaims, slow down, girl. She kneels, Bob, are you hiding under here? I move an inch, exposing my snout. Snickers goes insane. She yanks free of her tug of war string. For a moment, she pauses to do a polite nose tap with Rowdy. Then she lets loose with zoomies and yips and howls of joy. Bob, Julia says, come on out and say hi. I pretend not to hear her, which isn't a big stretch since Snickers is barking like a maniac. Robert, says Julia. Fine, I belly crawl out until I'm exposed. Snickers is ecstatic. She showers me with licks and nips and nudges and leaps. Bob, she croons, how I've missed you. I cover my head with my paws, but there's no escaping her adoration. There's a reason we survived, Bob, she says, her fuzzy tail in high gear. The fates want our love to blossom. Is this your girlfriend, Uncle Bob? Rowdy inquires. Girlfriend today, Snickers responds in a giddy voice, but who knows what tomorrow may bring. Perhaps you should start calling me Aunt Snickers. I am relieved beyond measure when Julia finally pulls Snickers with great effort out the door. I try to ignore Nutwit's teasing. I try to tolerate Rowdy's stifled laughter. But when Minnie starts chanting, Bob and Snickers, followed by Moose sitting in a tree, I've had enough. 
I head for my doggy door, ignoring the popcorn and guinea pigs, and try to locate my dignity. A visitor. This evening is a lot like is like lots of other evenings. The guinea pigs are squeaking. Nutwit is puttering in his tree. Julia and Sarah and George are watching something about meerkats on the Nature Channel. I've just settled in with Rowdy on the couch when George drops a cookie on the floor. I leap into action. Robert, says Julia, leave it. Briefly, I consider my options, but not for long. At least I share a piece with Rowdy. You are hopeless, Julia says, but I love you anyway. And that's when we hear the bark. It's coming from the front porch. Hmm, that's weird, says George. I'll check it out. Julia runs to the door and pulls it open. She hesitates. She looks over at me, back at the porch, back at me. Bob, she says, I think it's for you. And it is. Friends, that is the end of Bob's story. Here's a quick author's note from Catherine Applegate. Dogs, aren't they just the best? If you answered no, or even yes with a hint of ambivalence, um, what's wrong with you? Sorry, even if you're not on Team Canine, I'm sure you're a swell person. Maybe you're a cat fanatic or a guinea pig fan. I get that. I love all kinds of creatures, right down to tarantulas and naked mole rats. And I'll admit that some dogs are easier to love than others. My own mutt, Stan, is a case in point. Mercurial, needy, narcissistic. He's not exactly the poster dog for man's best friend. Still and all, when Stan cuddles up just so, usually while I'm busy on the laptop, he somehow manages to pull off that mysterious canine magic trick. He makes me feel a little bit better about life. Stan also serves as my muse, albeit sporadically. As a matter of fact, Bob, the narrator of this novel, was modeled on Stan, right down to the misanthropy, the gluttony, and the odor. Bob originally appeared as a character in my novel, The One and Only Ivan, inspired by the true story of a Western lowland gorilla. The real Ivan spent 27 years alone and caged in a shopping mall in Tacoma, in Tacoma, Washington. Did he ever have a pal like Bob? I don't know. But there was a pet store at the mall where Ivan lived, and he had lots of visitors. It wasn't a stretch for me to imagine such a friendship evolving. And so Bob was born. He had to be tiny to fit in a hole in Ivan's cage. He had to be wily. He had to be a street dog, tough and blunt and no-nonsense. You can imagine my delight when I learned that the inimitable Danny DeVito would be voicing Bob in the Disney, the one and only Ivan movie. movie. Yep, that's Bob, all right. Bob's had a tough life. He's seen the darker side of humans. He doesn't get really get the whole man's best friend thing. His best friend, as it happens, is a gorilla. He's carrying some pretty heavy, heavy baggage for such a little dog, and he faces down a lot in this story. Tornadoes and owls, floods and wolves, terror and guilt and self-doubt. But through it all, Bob never loses his tiny mutt swagger, and he never stops listening to his good dog heart. Even if you're a devout cat person, I hope you enjoyed spending time with the guy. The end. <laughs>